Welcome to The Love Show. I'm Patrick Hollick. On this episode, I talked to Robert Shepier. Robert writes for an online publication called Janky Smooth. If you haven't read it profusely, I think it's time to do so. Robert's also a talented novelist. I'm writing and working with him on a screenplay right now. We talked about music, film, and a couple novels he's written. I hope you enjoy it. Let's just start with, where did you grow up? I was born and raised in a tiny one-room apartment. My parents right across from Temple Israel of Hollywood, this little uh, Jewish day school and synagogue. Leonard Nimoy was on the board of directors. Come on. Leonard Nimoy? Yeah, yeah. Leonard Nimoy keeps visiting my life. I did an interview with Zach Quinto, who played Leonard Nimoy, and he told me that he was his mentor. Mm -hmm. So me and Leonard are close, but never met. Quinto did a good job playing Nimoy for sure. Did he? Spock. Yeah. I love the little symbol, you know? Spock's little hand gesture um, is originally a Jewish hand gesture, which uh, recreates the letter Shin in Hebrew. And it has all these meanings uh, beyond just live long and prosper. Like uh, Shaddai is like a name of God. And it's like the female aspect of God and like... You, you use it, you use both hands together in that gesture to sort of do the priestly blessing over someone. It's, it's, it's a really crazy thing. So there's a lot of things to this thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, bi- I'm a big Nemo guy. Okay. Were you a street person or a school person? Uh, I was the perfect intersection of both those things. Because I'm, I'm growing up in West Hollywood, you know, right next to Hollywood Boulevard. That's what I did as a kid, just walk up and down Hollywood. That's my favorite part of the city, like Hollywood proper, not East Hollywood, not West Hollywood. My first job was working at China, the Grauman's Chinese Theater, making fake cement handprints for people. That was just Wait, my let's shit go right into there. a little bit of fake handprints. What's that? Oh, I was fucking terrible at it. You, you like make, uh, you, you get cement, you, people pay to make their handprints in little plaques. And, uh, you know, it's a little souvenir they take away. And almost every time I made one, uh, I fucked it up. <laughs> totally made them waste their ten dollars or whatever they did so you would literally do cement for the people and they'd put their hands in yeah yeah and then i had to memorize every like the placement of every handprint footprint on the grauman's chinese floor on the in the patio (laughs) which was like a it was like interesting like uh i I, jimmy stewart was there for calling north side seven whatever it's called seven 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 or something like that i don't remember the name of the movie Uh uh-huh but just the fact that I know that is fucking crazy. Were you there when Jimmy came? No, definitely no. not. <laughs> <laughs> that was a hundred years later. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I was there close to the time Adam Sandler was. <laughs> right. Were you um were you always into music? Was music something that you were into? My dad was a musician and uh my parents thought his lifestyle was so crazy that they would not let me get into it. Mm. Ne- never had it around me. Well, it was around me, but they never let me pick up an instrument and didn't foster the learning or anything like that. Um, but I've always been heavily, I'm a huge fan of just everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been wearing pretty much strictly band shirts as my only attire since like middle school. Wow. Yeah. What was the first band that, that freaked you out? That freaked me out. That just got you interested. Um, when I was a kid... 
and I was like starting to get into dark shit, like gothy shit. Uh, I, I didn't really listen to that kind of music yet, but like I, was, I would watch pro wrestling and The Undertaker was my favorite character. And I was like, this is just so mysterious and crazy. So I like this sort of aesthetic. And I remember going back to warehouse music whenever I would hang out at Universal City Walk. And I would just go straight to the Misfits album, Legacy of Brutality, which has like this sort of skeleton costume wearing Elvis guy on the front. And I would just look at it and be like, what is this? It like, <laughs> kind of scares me. It kind of intrigues me. I, didn't, I was too scared to like test listening to it. Right. But I would just like stare at it. And the same thing with Danzig 1, the first Danzig album. The Who was the drummer that, then? Probably for Danzig one Chuck Biscuits. When Black does Joey? Flash. When does Joey come into Danzig? Mm, I'm not sure, mm. but Joey's everywhere, man. Yeah, I know. Jo he, I saw him play with the Hives mm -hmm. like two nights ago. He was incredible. He's one of the only drummers I know well, you know, and I knew him through uh, mutuals, not from music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. He, I, I've seen him drum for Trash Talk, incredible LA hardcore band, originally from Sacramento, but. This is their new home. And what's that Zeppelin thing he does? What's it called? Dread Zeppelin or something Zeppelin? I'm not sure. I, I've yeah. seen him play with Zach Sabbath, Zach Wilde's that's Black what I'm, Sabbath. That's I'm misinterpreting. That's it, Zach Sabbath. Yeah, yeah. He's he's an unsung legend. He, yeah. He, 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 he fucks with everybody, you know? He's going to be on. We just uh, haven't gotten the right times. Mm -hmm. So where do you go from the Chinese theater? What's the next? What's the next adventure for you? From the Chinese theater... I, I did it as sort of like, you know what? I want to get into movies. Maybe I'll meet someone at the fucking Chinese theater. Like that was the, my sort of ignorant way of thinking. It's back not ignorant. Chuck Pacheco, who is Leonardo's right hand, comes from taking tickets at the Chinese theater. Mm -hmm. So it worked out for him. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that's how I was thinking about it. Um, from there, I would just take all these internships at different uh kinds of film companies everything from distribution to development to like just pr production to every every segment of it and every every i got a feel for everything pretty much mm -hmm. and I, and from there i realized the maybe the most interesting one is the sort of b-movie international distribution world is in terms of how these people live, that is the most interesting. What one. did they live like? Like, the, like this guy that was my boss at this place. He, uh, you know, he was this big strapping dude, right? French Colombian, knew multiple languages, knew like every language, right? Mm -hmm. You could think of that was necessary for this job: Chinese, Japanese, French, Italian, Spanish, yada yada yada. And you could just tell this guy is getting laid constantly. And he's like, he, we, we went to work at like <laughs> four in the morning and stay there till night. So he's always either partying or working, this guy. He doesn't sleep. And there'd just be times that, you know, we'd go into the bathroom and there'd be like bloody tissues in the, in the, in the <laughs> trash can. And then like the other people working there, we were basically like telemarketing for movies and um, calling every distribution company, seeing if they wanted us check out our catalog and, <laughs> what was uh, the catalog it was like, just like random uh, not exactly they'd be b-movies here kind of not they're not like schlocky necessarily but they they're totally separate from the a categ category that people are aware of there's a whole another system of movies going on that like no one ever gets to see no one ever gets to unless you're 
I, I imagine like there's like farmers in Bulgaria that watch these movies, but, right? But here we don't we don't get any of them. You know what I mean? Is it Roger Corman esque or even lower grade? Like uh, below, Roger would be a real studio compared to this or no? Maybe. If, uh, honestly, I, I can't even say I watched a single one of them. I don't think anyone did. But like, uh, you know, for those countries, maybe in those countries, these are masterpieces. For all I know, I have no idea. Um, so yeah, we'd find bloody tissues in the place. One of these, one of like the people I was interning with that was like my age, super young, was uh, I found out later was like sleeping with a guy when when everyone left and stuff in his office. It was just madness. Wow. Meanwhile, the guy is like jet setting to every film market, every festival. It was like the most wild life you could have in in uh in that sort of hollywood desk job right yeah how long did you stay there um maybe like a year and then moved on probably doing production and then doing uh office you know behind the scenes producing and being a development assistant for an independent company mm -hmm. yeah um i was uh I was a production assistant for the Asylum, the Global Asylum, which made um, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus, all the mm -hmm. Sharknados, all that sort of shit. Uh -huh. That's the true B movie, Roger Corman thing of today. Um, Did you start writing then, or were you not writing yet? I was writing, mm -hmm. and they knew the producers there knew I was a writer, right? Mm -hmm. They knew I was like you know was smart just hanging out with me and whatever could ha had thoughts that were not like just casual small talk that everyone else was sort of having and uh, I, I from there they moved on to Suzanne De Laurentiis's company at Paramount which had an office on the Paramount lot and and that's Dino's daughter I think niece niece yeah okay um and they reached out to me to write a movie that Paramount financed for a new experimental low-budget division they were doing. This is right after the success of Paranormal Activity and things like that, so the studios wanted a hand in it and just instead of letting it all be this independent sort of thing. So they reached out to me and I wrote a script for this movie called Area 407, which sucks, but you know I got a movie made right out of college. Wow. Like right out of college. And, and I, I, this is at the same time I was making my first short film and all the people I worked with on that short film couldn't believe it. I was like, I had to like show them a contract for them to <laughs> believe me that I, this was happening. Yeah. And I was just stoked to work with anyone related to Dino because I was at the time I was a huge David Lynch fan and Dino produced Blue Velvet and Dune and all these things. Yeah. I, was, uh, I, felt, I, I felt like I had a point of connection yeah. doing that. They're making yeah. another Dune now. They are. Yeah. And I'm... I think it's gonna go well too. The the director they got, who is the director like he, of the he, he new dude doing it? Uh, I think it's the dude that made Blade Runner, the newer Blade Runner. Uh -huh. I might be wrong though. Don't worry, we can edit. Yeah, yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> so when you go from um, a lot of film background, when does this music, when does writing start? Is that just for? Is that was that just a job or was it a passion when you start writing? It was both. I mean, I, I went with a mutual friend to a to see Faith No More at the World Turn years ago. At that show, the friend I went with, she rec she recognized a friend of hers who was the publisher of this publication. And I met him, reached out, said I wanted to write for him. And from there, I've been working three years for him until I became editor-in-chief of the publication. Okay. 
So Janky Smooth was the beginning mm-hmm. with the music. Mm-hmm. And it's been three years. Mm-hmm. And how many bands do you watch in a year? It seems like you write. Somewhere between like maybe like 120 a year. 120. And how many of those do you cover? Most of them. Yeah? I'd say almost all of them. So how many articles are you doing in a week at Janky Smooth? Uh, three maybe not including like giveaways and shit like that right yeah that's a lot i'm a creature of habit and that's became my habit yeah i don't know what to tell you yeah you know it's work it's fun i'm in i'm in a community of people how many are in that how many members of janky smooth make the team um i'd say somewhere around 10 photographers writers me sort of managing everybody do you have to manage other people's do you have to edit other writers and definitely yeah to get what is it mostly the tone of the paper or what do you look uh, at simple things like spelling and grammar tonally <laughs> tonally i i let people do their thing as long as they're sort of challenging and like um not not something you'd see in a normal publication mm-hmm you know, a little bit of beat journalism in there, new journalism. When you go to cover a band, what do you look for? Outside of just the common, you know, the band, the music, do you go deeper into, like, philosophies and thoughts about it? Absolutely. I mean, something unique in the performance is always desired, you know. I I look for those moments that make you transcend time and space, and you just feel like you're, like, you can leave your body and be floating in air within a single riff that you hope lasts forever. Mm-hmm. You know, something that disconnects you from reality that well, just based on, you know, the, the sonic power. One terror is that if you play music like the way I do, okay, obviously already, if I put as much into a song as I possibly can on your mm-hmm. show, mm-hmm. automatically for five, ten minutes, it's very hard for me to, to speak articulately or to to talk to you you see because okay, you're pumped because up I've, back there, because sure. I've because I've uh, quite quite given myself totally to to that it's it's Dionysic if you know the difference between Dionysic and Apollonian art I'm not too good on that uh, <laughs> Dionysic art in, in Greek times was where like a bunch of people would get together and they'd uh, they'd they'd erect a, a paper phallus 50 feet long and carry it around and chant to some god that they believed in, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and sort of, uh, how should I say, the creation of an event. It's eventful art. Mm-hmm. Uh, Apollonian is when you just make a statue and it's there forever and it's set out very clearly. Okay. There's a Dionysic element to my art that, that does, I suppose a lot of people might be frightened to be me, but I'm quite happy to be. <laughs> And how often does that, that doesn't come about a lot, does it? No, it doesn't. I mean, it, it'll, it'll happen sometimes. What was the last band that brought you there? Uh, probably this, this sort of psych rock super group from San Francisco, actually Oakland, called Hair on Oblivion. Mm-hmm. They played this thing called California Flashback, which was two nights at the Lodge Room in Highland Park devoted to Japanese psych rock and like an homage, an homage to it, that style. Um, yeah, they were like almost like a Grateful Dead-ish kind of Joni Mitchell, but more psychedelic, more noisy, and like just vocals and rhythm that take you on a journey. Um, not in like a heavy way, but just sort of like a mystical way. Mm-hmm. What was that rapper that you just went to cover that had like five names? He's from like the the Midwest or something. 
You went to see him at a festival just recently. He was part of a bigger festival. Wicca Face Springs Eternal? Yes. Tell me about that. That's interesting. Yeah, that, that dude is the former singer at Tiger's Jaw, an emo band. And uh, he, he was one of the innovators of emo rap in this generation. Mm-hmm. And that's sort Who of... Who fits in that genre, emo rap? A uh, little peep. Okay. It was like the most famous one. There's a few more, uh, Horsehead, who's like the main producer for this group. Wow. But he also raps himself. Yeah, so the, these guys take on the emotional element of emo music, emo punk music, and lay it over trap beats. And uh, it's something very soft-spoken, poetic, slow... Um, and heartfelt, you know, like, uh, I'm not, I'm not like a cynical person when it comes to music like that. I don't like, I'm not like uh, someone that's just like, oh, that's like lame or, or weak. I'm like this, this is cool, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the guy's poetry is definitely spot on just as a writer. His lyrics are very, uh, really get to like this sort of the, the heart of the matter when it comes to relationships and how each individual feels, how they, what they want. You know, mm-hmm. how do you break up? You have so many genres. Which genres do you like? What is your favorites? I've always been like a metalhead. Metalhead. That's where it began, and then from there I went into punk, and then from there I went into hardcore. But now it's just anything that interests me, which spans across right the board. I don't even understand how, and I've asked you this, I think, before, but how do you separate like hardcore from punk from metal, and like how are they divided? Um, I'd say rhythmically, like tonally, hardcore is slower, more crunchy. Uh, the sort of lyrical content is more about like street living and like being tough and not taking any shit. Uh, punk is just dirtier, simpler, more almost like humorous. I mean, I think that's sort of how it started. Uh, Kim Fowley used to call it B-movies on vinyl. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Ramones knew what they were doing was funny on some level. Right. Ironic. Yeah, exactly. What is uh, Sonic Youth? Uh, I'd say the maybe like proto-alternative, the beginnings of alternative rock and like uh, and uh, proto-grunge, beginnings of grunge, uh, like the forefathers of those things. But really it's experimental noise rock is what I'd call it. I just did a re-listen to um, Dirty. Mm-hmm. Is that a record, Dirty? Or is that a song? I think it's Dirty is the record. Um, it was it was pretty amazing to hear, you know, the just the layers of it. It was really nasty, you know? Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Do you like them or no? Yeah, I do like them. They're, they're a group that made noise and just real, like, sort of insanity palatable to a mainstream audience. I see. Yeah, they're, they're very... They're very important for that. How do you think they did? How did they cut the edges off, do you think? They just made it more three-act structure, or was it tonally, sonically? What is it that made it able to be introduced to a moment? I feel like there were bands that came out, that, like Nirvana and whatnot, that were so popular that record companies were looking to the influences of those bands to reach out to and give them the same platform. And once Sonic Youth got that platform, I was able to show everyone what they could do, and people had never seen anything like that before. It just totally blew minds.
Who is who's today say sub pop 2019? I mean that probably doesn't exist, but the closest to somebody putting out really good taste that isn't necessarily being distributed well. In terms of bands or labels or what do you mean? I think labels. I think like who's kind of got a good uh, a good arsenal of five acts? Is it somebody like Horsehead or whatever? Who's producing something that's a cool movement that you think today? Deus Records. Deus. Yeah, Deus for sure. And what are their acts? Um, they mostly deal in like post-punk, goth, synth pop, that sort of gothy, darker sort of music with electronics, instrumentation too. Uh, they almost every band they have is incredible. Mm-hmm. What are some of them? Drab Majesty, Body of Light. One of my favorite bands, Adult, which is a Detroit-based synth pop duo that just re- really is an avant-garde performance. When you see them, they just do things that no one else does, and they have a sort of they create a sort of atmosphere. That everyone dances and becomes unhinged to, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's dance music. Right. You move your body. Where's Deus out of? What what part of uh, the U.S.? Those guys are based in San Diego, but it's really like an L.A. thing. I would I would say, mm-hmm. you know, that's who's the who's the the president. Uh, it's there's two guys, and uh, Gibby Miller, I think is his name, mm-hmm. is the is the one I'm close to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you cover a lot of their acts? Whenever I can, yeah. 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 I just missed uh, Multiple Men and Body of Light, and uh, I'm pretty upset about that, actually. But a few weeks ago, I saw one of their newer newer bands, VR Sex, which is the singer from Drab Majesty, and a sort of goth cowboy trio, just making like dark sort of atmospheric music. I love talking to you because I feel like I'm living under a rock of like uh, modern pop culture garbage. I feel like I'm like e-entertainment music wise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm listening to a Billie Eilish record and you're like, <laughs> what? You know, it's, it's interesting. Like, uh, I don't know where mainstream music fans come from. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know where their outlets to. Isn't it to pretty much a Spotify on. world or not really? I, I, Is that I the guess, new MTV? I mean, I, I I don't know how people get into music without being part of a community as well in some level, but I, I, I apparently it's a huge thing. I, maybe I'm the one living under a rock. No, I want to <laughs> I want to come to the next Deus event, Deus band, Deus yeah. culture, definitely because I'm just like bored, man. You know, don't get outside enough. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, going to as many shows as I do, it, it, it's tiring. After like three years. You I know. can ima- I don't know how you do it. I yeah. don't know how my ears are still functional. <laughs> you know every square inch of every venue probably, right? Yeah, How yeah. many times have you been to the Echo? Too many times. They need to start giving me free drinks. Like, I need to, I need to <laughs> make that happen. I know, you're like representing like, a culture no one's listening to. Why don't they help out? <laughs> no, there's definitely people listening, though. I'm, the, I'm being facetious. Yeah, yeah, but everything that's a niche is like a bigger niche now. Like, sure. Like, like the, that's what the beauty of the internet. These things that used to be so small and like, you know, we all learned that, oh, there's all the, these communities are all over the world and we could join together and, you know, yeah, be part of something. Yeah. I think that's going to be more and more. I heard that like they say circle groups or just groups at all or book clubs or anything where human beings could have human interaction and not be online or on a screen is starting to grow. 
Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I'm hearing. At least the tone is. Because I don't know how much longer we could all just be staring at a cell phone. It's just, it's interesting. Where do you think that's going, modern pop culture? I just thought of an idea for a book called The Ten-Year Mistake, where, like, you know, it's just like a museum. It starts with, like, a museum with people staring at their phone, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. just locked into a time and place. Yeah, what's yeah. What's going to be the, uh, well, I guess, what's it going to be to come off, come off the delusion? How do you see it? What's it going to take to stop doing this? Well, I think like, it's going to stop. I, I mean, what's the stop. after effects? Do you think it's, I mean, uh, how I much think, longer? I think we're, we're barreling toward an uncertainty that will definitely end in some kind of nihilistic, meaningless state of humanity where, you know, human interaction is less valuable and love itself is not, is bastardized into something that's not even really love between, you know, romantic love between like a man and a woman. They'll be in love with like an Alexa that has no, it'll a be, face. No, it'll be, well, maybe it'll be with like a person, mm-hmm. but it'll just, we won't, it won't be like a shred of what it was once. Mm-hmm. If if that makes sense, it all. It's, I'm trying to make sense of it. I keep exploring it, and I don't know what I'm doing. You know, uh, and I'm not asking the right questions yet. But one day, maybe they'll come. You know, even even uh, yeah, I hate dating apps so much. Just uh, you don't want to. You know, it's it's convenient, and you know, it's it's nice to have that much accessibility to it. But um. Anything long term is just like you know. Tell your grandkids you met online. It just doesn't. It's not right. I don't, there has to be a level of serendipity and chase for me to be interested. Right. Yeah. And and, and you know, I th- I want my life to have some narrative aspects. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a story that I shared with somebody. Well, you kind of, you're out and about, you're in the culture. You're, you definitely have two points of view. I have a single, like I don't go anywhere. So I'm, I'm lost in some Hollywood grain of sand in the middle of nowhere. You know, at least you're going to different communities. You go back and forth between music and film. You know, there's actually people out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like I want to get back more, more into film. Mm -hmm. Um, Two well, we, totally separate things. I don't, I don't know. I don't. I don't think they mesh really. And you think they would, you know, both art. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they do. I, I think. How I, do you think they separate each other? Just the the culture of those in music is um, less civilized than those in film. Right. Music isn't a wealthy art form film is the corporate dynamics that i guess music doesn't have a netflix or something like i don't know it's just more how how the communities you you grow up in and become a part of as an adult and how people socialize within those are not the same Mm -hmm. less structure uh and then just different a different set of values different agendas different goals just different ways of thinking Mm -hmm. Who do you like and and getting rapping music up? But who do you like nowadays in music? Who's who do you think's something that's that's coming that you really like? That could be a change. Do you see a change? Is there something that could wipe? When I was uh, my generation, we had uh, new kids on the block and like boy bands all over the place, and there was a very intense moment that couldn't be n- denied with Guns N' Roses' arrival because Guns N' Roses came in kind of weak. 
And then Guns N' Roses in two months wiped all the boy bands off the face of the earth, never to be allowed back. And I saw it happen. I was working in uh, film doing a uh, Paradise City music video and a New Kids on the Block video with the same director. And then a few months later, the whole boy band was out of business. And it was not subtle. It was, your guys are done. We have no interest. And then, you know, the Nirvanas and everything. Do you see anything similar in music? Well, I guess what you would compare that moment to would be trap music right now, where you have all these rappers just singing over recorded tracks live and not even singing every lyric to their own songs, just sort of being almost like a hype man, their own hype man on stage, singing some of the lyrics and then just like going wild on stage. And the audience is going absolutely What's some shit. of the bigger trap artists? You know, like... Uh, Post Malone or, you know, uh, Lil Yachty, the, those kinds of guys. Uh, I can't take the one, dude. I just saw SNL. The guy, uh, what's the big guy's name with the baby? I don't know where that's going. <laughs> the big heavy set guy that's on every commercial and everything. Uh, he has a little baby that he's like, yeah, one, two, yo, yeah. Oh, it's not a uh, uh, DJ Khaled? Oh, my God. That's like a bridge too far for me in this world, you know? I just like, yeah, yeah. I, you know. He did a set on SNL, like, for the closing of the season that was just like, is this really happening or is this part of the parody? Is this like, are they going to come out and say we're kidding? Or is this really a performance? And it was really a performance. And he had a million guest stars and he's like, on the one. And, you know, here comes Wayne and, you know, and my baby. And you're like, are you serious right now, dude? I can ignore it and turn my brain off and watch E and watch Vanderpump Rules. But then when you see DJ Khaled is successful, you're like, maybe the whole world is fucking gone. Maybe we're just a bunch of empty vases, you know? That might be the case. Which is, which is sort of the deal with trap. Like, uh, style over substance. We want to feel a certain way from the music, just the, the sensuality of the, the sound, rather than connect with the lyrics or what the, the song is about. Mm -hmm. And as far as, like, it being taken over by another genre I th uh, and, like, a, a new wave of something that's totally different, I actually don't see that happening. I, th I, I see trap taking over the world. And what I mean by that is you'll have trap being the means the method like the vehicle to play other kinds of music and examples of that would be like emo trap like, like i talked about earlier or lil nas x who made a country trap song and that it you know that's real country but using elements of trap production was able to catapult it into the best song on is he the one rocking wranglers that's getting trendy yeah, right yeah. now with a cowboy hat old on? town road i think the two basic types of music indigenous to this country are uh the uh black music blues and the kind of folk music that was brought over from europe and you know, with, i guess they call it country music or the kind of west virginia high and lonesome sound that those those are the two mainstreams of root american music there might be others i don't know but uh like 10 years ago what they called rock and roll was kind of a blending of those two forms i guess in four or five years uh the new uh generation's music will be um <clears throat> it'll have uh a synthesis of those two elements and some third thing it'll be entire maybe it'll be uh it might rely uh, heavily on uh, 
uh, electronics, uh, tapes. I can kind of envision maybe um, one person with a, uh, a lot of machines. I saw a little clip on one of, I think it was TMZ or something, where it's like somebody, the Wrangler community's upset that a, a brother's wearing their jeans or something. The farmers are like, this is an outrage. What was it? What it was, was totally the argument? Ra- it was, it was to- a totally race-based reaction to, to his success. <laughs> like, it, it just was. It was a, some, what was the story? Of well, he got on the top of the Billboard Top 100 country tracks, <laughs> and they took him down because they didn't consider it country. Then uh, Billy Ray Cyrus gets on the track and does a remix with his vocals on it, and now it's a country track. But I mean, just based on the the content of the song and, and the instrumentation of it, I would have considered the original one too. I mean, so you say it's country? Yeah, and and there's plenty of country artists that are rapping, like uh, you know, I think his name is Jello Jelly Roll or something like that. Like it's it, it, it's a standard thing in that culture too, and they'll consider that that. that country hip-hop still country you know yeah yeah they just didn't they just did not want their culture being infiltrated by a brother right yeah it's just awful what uh where is janky smooth heading where do you guys want to take it or are where you are you where you want to be or is there a new direction for it no i want to i want to take it in a certain direction um I want to get into more. I want to. I want to start podcasting as well. Interview bands. I want to. I want to maybe have. Can some you start kind of, it here at the Love Show? We need your help. Could, yeah. Just you know, we're a mess. We're just starting to learn what we're doing. If you want to talk to bands, let me know. We do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanna. Uh, I wanna just see what's possible. We're already very different from the online other online publications of our size. They're all very vanilla compared to us. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're, we're so you guys we're, aren't we're, we're billboard like misfits in the, in the in the category. You're not billboard. No, I mean like we're not. We're they're, they're not even billboard really. They're like the the big thing is garage and psych rock as mm-hmm. far as like you know white kids and Echo Park go. And uh, we we're 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 not even we're something outside of that too. We're gonna we're call this nuts. episode "White Kids and and Echo Park" just so you know. <laughs> let's move out of music and into film what what uh drew you into film i would what originally draw like uh-huh. a lot i was like that was my so literally up. yeah I would, I would draw and i would always have a narrative aspect to the everything i drew or painted and whatnot like crazy shit and i was like this is not big enough for me i need something with more scope and scale i want to tell a story with characters and in-depth backgrounds these characters and you know battles inside them so i started writing and um i'll just write so much so many scripts you know to the point that i would just challenge myself like Mm -hmm. i wrote i would write like 30 screenplays and then like okay i've done all these things were just like quirky original ideas of mine but why don't I try a sports movie? So I wrote a, a movie about the Dodgers with a friend of mine. Right. Why don't I try a Western? I write a Western. Why don't I try, like, yeah, I would, I would just dabble in everything. The next thing I want to write is a gambling movie because I fucking love gambling movies. Do you gamble? gamble. Yeah, gambling's amazing, dude. <laughs> Texas Hold'em, just like with a drink in front of you. That's what I was doing in New Orleans a few weeks ago. Just 
at the Harris, you know, taking my friend's money, letting them take my own money, like <laughs> bankrupting people that like, you know, that, that would walk off the table with such a sad look on their face once I was through with them. <laughs> what are time. some of your favorite films? Let me, let me look this up because I have, I have this list. You have your list? Yeah, I have, I have my list and I want to be very specific. I like it. But I mean, I, I, I would go more by directors and I would say that Fellini was the greatest director of all time. And Scorsese or Fellini, either one. Do you one, know the Fellini, uh, the Fellini contribution when there was three films made and Terrence Stamp was the lead? Do you know what that one was called? Yeah, it was called Toby Dammit and that is one of the main influences of our movie. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah that's, full that's, disclosure, me and Robert are working on a film. At this point, it's titled Beauty Marks. Some people are arguing with our title, but you know, I haven't heard them yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that movie is just about a, a, a decadent life of an actor. And like this, the one story behind it is Fellini wanted Terrence Stamp to really get into this character. And uh, the character is like a total drunk and like a, a, a druggie and just a, like a scumbag. And so the, the scene is the guys arriving at the airport in Italy, I believe, to accept an award. And, uh, and along with the award, I think a, like a BMW or a Mercedes or something like that. Maybe a Ferrari, It's actually. a Ferrari. Yeah, it's a Ferrari. Yep. And uh, Fellini's like, all right, this is how you left the airport. The night before, you go to an orgy, right? And you're fucking some girl like he's doing the motions right yeah and then out of nowhere a big black guy starts fucking you and now you're all three fucking each other all night long right the next morning and you're doing cocaine all night the next morning when you right before you have to go to the airport your friend drops you off and he puts a tab of acid on your tongue and he says go ahead and this is how you arrive in italy and that was the story that's the kind of guy fellini was you know, there's a lot of people, you know, there's a sacred, like, air of, uh, you know, just sort of, like, decency around him. But, you know, dude was crazy, man. For uh, Fellini was? Yeah, 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 yeah. And he hints at it in his, I love the way he hints at it. So here, here's my favorite films. Apocalypse Now, mm -hmm. Tarkovsky's The Mirror, like, one of the most powerful stream of consciousness movies ever. Maybe one of the best opening scenes to a movie ever where a young man is cured of his stutter by like a Russian mystic woman. And that's just like the perfect metaphor for how a director steps into the world of cinema and suddenly acquires the tools to communicate himself fully. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Uh, Francis Ha. I love that movie. You do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Eraserhead. You know, that. Yeah. I mean, that's why I cut my hair this way, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Patterson by Jim Jarmusch came out I last year, I haven't seen Patterson. It, Who play, plays Patterson? What's his name? From? From Girls, from Star Wars. Yeah. Dude, you know. You know. Yeah, I do. I'm just blanking on him. Black Adam Klansman. Driver. Adam Driver. Adam Driver, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been doing good work. He gets a lot of shit, but I think his career has been really smart. Yeah, he makes, definitely makes the right choices. He's been doing great stuff. He was just in something this year that did well. What was it that's out now or just came out where he plays, uh, you know, co-star, not a lead. Uh, Black Klansman? No, it wasn't Klansman. It's following Klansman. It's more new. Maybe it's television. 
uh, God, I just saw him and I was like, this guy's really understated. He's doing really good work. I don't know, something that's out now or just came out. And he was one of my favorite parts of it. Yeah, he's I in wish the new, I remembered. He's in the new Jarmusch movie too, the zombie movie. I don't remember what it's called. Yeah, but, that's uh, supposedly doing well. Yeah, People are into it. Yeah. yeah. Bill Murray's in there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking what a cast. Jarmusch is very hit, and, hit or miss, but I actually think I liked uh, Ghost Dog. I thought that was wonderful. Yeah, I loved yeah, it. But I'm also a Forrest fan. Mm-hmm. I did a shoot with Forrest once and. Um, I was just mind-bended, like, how cool he was. And he told me a few things, like, he, um, I said, do you remain friends with anyone you work with? He goes, only the cast of Fast Times. We've all remained in contact. We've all been there for each other because it was, like, my first project. And he goes, since then, not really, you know, with any of this life that's happened. And I went to the stylist, and I go, man, this is, like, one of the coolest people I've ever met. And she goes, dude, his name is Forrest. <laughs> yeah he seems like a very he's enlightened the guy he's like he's one of those ones that doesn't disappoint he brings more to it than you think you know mm-hmm. great sorry keep going david cronenberg's video drone didn't he do uh the one where the head blows up scanners yeah he fucked me up as a kid i went and saw i snuck into scanners when i was too young to see it and um i walked around for at least a month thinking if i thought bad things about somebody that they can blow me up it like it really traumatized <laughs> me do you remember the movie yeah absolutely yeah that one ruined my me for a long time as a child you know i shouldn't have snuck into that i think it was like you know nine or something mm-hmm. fucked me up i i think video drone is it's almost video a, drone james woods yeah yeah who even though he's like sort of like a conservative psycho i he's still love awesome. the guy I he's love one the of the best yeah, actors the that ever hit the screen i watched el salvador he's always given the best work and i don't know has he won an oscar i don't think so onion fields everything he's done he's good mm-hmm. you know yeah, and you know what? I, I, anyone that is willing to not censor themselves in this business and not give a shit what happens, you gotta, well, he's you not anti-Trump, it. so in that sense, he's supposed to be killed and abolished. You know? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, he, 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 I mean, there's certain other things that he says says that are just like that they cannot deal with that. He's a provocateur like he, yeah, he, like, in a uh, sense. Uh, for the movie, call you, call me by your name. He's like, all right, we've. We've uh, we've begun celebrating pedophilia. This is like the 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 last straw, and uh, <laughs> you, you can imagine how Hollywood reacted to that. Yeah, like, 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 like their darling movie. Yeah, but but that movie, I think, uh, I liked came, the movie. I thought it was great. Yeah, Coming by Your Name was great. Very Bertolucci and like in its style and has like a classical yeah. What was the one? Feel uh, the one that Liv Tyler did was the same film um man i'm i should know this i talk about it in my interview on and on in my interview with Liv, but i forgot um but it's the same it's call me by your name mm-hmm. same movie and really good bertolucci doing it mm-hmm. yeah yeah just the way both that filmmaker and and call me by your name depict sex and just the the human body you know they do it in a very tasteful and artistic poetic way mm-hmm. like how the muscles actually move mm-hmm. you know and then they they relate it to classical art like stat, ancient greek statues and whatnot
Uh, so yeah, Videodrome. There's things in that movie that very much predict where we're heading as a culture. Gr like gr they talk about things like growing another organ or a part of your brain as almost like a you know a digital interface or something like that. Right. How 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 the television will grow that for like people watch enough television and it'll grow a new part of their brain. Wow. That will function to to be part of a machine almost to, to yeah make right now there's part of a machine. Right now, there's a rejection. My friends that work in, in brain study said that there's like really young kids having seizures and, and weird traumatic brain moments because they're watching too much, like a, a phone, a screen, and, you know, taking in audio. It's overstimulating some kids. Yeah, we, don't, we have no idea where we're headed. No, we don't. Like, the, like enough of this might just make everybody sterile. Yeah. Oh, I think it has. I mean, I just <laughs> like you just watch it. Would it would explain a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Inherent Vice. People shit on that movie, but wow. I love that movie. Yeah, you, I love that movie. You and one of my other friends is really into that movie, and my friend doesn't like very many movies. Uh, he's not a big movie guy, but he thought Vice was great too. Some people, somebody just the other day said it's a sordid uh, mistake, and I was like, I don't, you know, I'm biased because I love Paul. Yeah, they, they call it Incoherent Vice because at some point the plot is just too hard to decipher because mm -hmm. it's uh, like noisy and chaotic, just everything that's going on. But just like the sense of humor is so different and it's like, like in a, and it's calculated as well as certain moments of tone, like where uh, they're all doing cocaine in the dentist's office and the way the music and the sound is working with the scene is just brilliant. Like I've never seen anyone create that much like tension and chaos but also be hilarious at the same time. Were you a Pynchon fan? Did you read his books? I, I, after that, I did. Yeah. I, I read Inherent and Vice how, and Gravity's Rainbow. And how, I've never read uh, Inherent Vice. Does it follow the film or nothing to do with the film? Or what's No, it the does follow the film. And it, you know, like most Pynchon books, the plot just sort of, the author loses control of the plot and lets it go where it goes. And you don't, it's very hard to understand what's happening, but you still like it. And that's pretty much the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you have Josh Brolin's character stomping into, like, the, the lead's apartment and eating all his weed. Why does he do that? <laughs> I mean, I think I'm, it makes sense to me. But, you know, it's just this weird thing, but it... it, it it makes sense and it's totally I happening. love when he's like, isn't it his mother? Isn't uh, Brolin's mother in one of the scenes and he's sitting in the chair and he has this whole different tonality about him where he's kind of like a little, like he's this big powerful agent and then he's not when his mom's in the room. I don't remember that scene, but there's totally this dynamic of he's so, he's so tough, but he's really kind of like a bitch at the same time going on the whole movie, which is hilarious, which yeah. is like brilliant. And true. Yeah. It's those guys. <laughs> Next, uh, Bad Lieutenant by Abel Ferreira. Oh, it's a masterpiece. It's yeah, really yeah. hard. It's it's a it's a dark movie. All his movies are dark. Well, like, I mean, Keitel goes to another level. If like you yeah. thought Fingered was a performance, this is like a very big undertaking. I think for an actor, I think that that uh, Harvey was willing to go to a new place in that movie. Yeah, there's like a scene where he's in a whorehouse and just naked, and you see his like head twitching, like his brain can't even take the situation anymore yeah. and it's just a really psychotic moment love that movie it's graphic <laughs> yeah like I, I i like movies that do that put push me in that direction um robert altman's the long goodbye oh yeah i just brought it up the other day because we we're at the colony and the beach literally hits houses now 
Mm. And there used to be, if you look at Elliot Gould walking through the colony in, what year was that? I don't know, the 60s? Or is it 71? Um, uh, there's 50 yards of beach that is no longer there. Mm. It's pretty sad. But yeah. what a movie. Yeah, just like the ultimate. If you want to learn how to be cool, watch The Long Goodbye. I think Elliot Gould was the coolest actor to ever be in Hollywood. Just I was going to cast himself. him in Mercy as uh, Scott Kahn's father, but um, there was a lot of people pushing against that because he was just such, such a wild person, you know? And, I thought he was would be really great, but people were like, "You're not going to be able to control Elliot very much." He did a mm-hmm. lot of acid. Wow. <laughs> like I'm friends <laughs> with his son. His son's a sweetheart. He does carpentry. We call him um, we call him Jesus because he does a lot of building. That's awesome. <laughs> the Wolf of Wall Street. You know, and it, <laughs> now you're the, being young. <laughs> yeah, and that, that, that movie is just a total Fellini throwback to me. Like uh, I once asked a professor, like who who is my like cinema history professor like who is the best director of all time and they said Fellini because Fellini understood cinema as not just the means of storytelling but a, a the attraction of cinema like mm-hmm. come in come all to like a circus you know what I mean like make it an event mm-hmm. make, make it like things that you've never seen before all happening on screen mm-hmm. uh, and, and I think that movie captured that same energy just like uh, so much wild stuff going on and, uh, you know, it, you you become a part of it. You get so into it. You get thrilled by it. Mm-hmm. Just watching a bunch of guys just have crazy amounts of sex, doing crazy amounts of drugs, doing spending so much money, and everything's so decadent. But, you know, part of you wants to, wishes you could get engaged in it on some level. Right. You know, like, and you get that release by seeing all these other pe- guys do it with and not feel sorry about it. Who are your favorite directors without looking at a list? What's your top five? Uh, Fellini, Altman, Lynch, Cronenberg. I don't know. The the last spot, uh, Tarkovsky. But I mean, there's so many. I I, want to talk about John Waters. I want to talk about like... uh, You like cinema. Yeah, yeah. Like coming out of college, the first thing I did was back when Netflix was a by-mail delivery service. Right. I'll just rent movies from every country just do director studies from as many countries as i could mm-hmm. at a time that's what i did when i first got in film i was about 15 and a half 16 and um i got lucky enough to move to new york city and they had uh i'm showing my age they had retrospectives and they would start with like john cassavetes's short films and go through every film in order mm-hmm. all the way through and it would just be there for like, you know, whatever the time duration was to get through all the movies. Mm. Quentin's doing that at the, uh, what's it called? The New Cinema? New Bev? The New Beverly. Yeah, I went to a film there for, uh, I think they're exploring, I guess it was uh, Roger Corman, Dennis Hopper collaboration. But um, it was, it's, they do it there. They're going to show all of these films. Uh, oh, it's a Bruce Dern tribute. Mm-hmm. It's Bruce Dern. So they're showing everything Bruce did. Which is cool. I didn't yeah. know that that whole thing was going on. There's like a bunch of people that keep going um, to watch everything, you know, watch these things. There's like a little crew. Yeah, I think I'm going to go in a week and see. They're doing like a fa- two Fastbender movies. And the, the new Bev is special just because of the, way, the, the, the projector there. When you see the film on screen, there's just a different, such a different texture to mm-hmm. it. It's a very languid experience. Like, like you, you feel, I don't know, 
you feel connected to it in a more human way. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I once had this professor like explain it like uh, digital film sort of you perceive it almost like as blocks like going into your eye like squares squares like mm -hmm. a line of squares going up and down and then but film is like a wave you mm -hmm. know fluid yeah it's fluid mm -hmm. so uh, you you see a movie at the new bev like that and you totally it's a totally separate experience from just seeing a movie it taps a different sensorial part of your your psyche probably yeah yeah I thought I saw this print of the trip, which isn't a great movie by any standard, but I was able to leave the theater feeling something that lasted with me a lot longer than, you know, normally, like when I watch something, I just go, oh, I forgot a lot of it or a part of it or, you know, but mm -hmm. I felt something, even the movie was just like kind of a mess, but visually it was cool when they tried to portray um, being on acid with edits. And they tried to do that perspective. And then you got to see Sunset Boulevard from every angle during that time. And it's fascinating because they knew all, every landmark, but what's there now and what was there was fascinating. You know, what are you, uh, what are you working on now? I'm revising a screenplay right now called Die by the Sword. That's a very powerful story i don't want to get into the details of the of plot of course not we can't tell them like because i like grew up on pro wrestling i have this like I, I feel like the movies i want to make are very chained to this idea of a good guy and a bad guy and having them clash and having the bad guy do things that are unforgivable and makes everybody hate him and the good guy winning in the end and just the way that you can mix match characters as a good guy and a bad guy and think of different people that could occupy those roles and the story between them just stick it to that very basic dynamic and see where you can go it, it's something like that and 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 this one just takes you to another level i think um very visceral movie with very with with themes of reclaiming masculinity in it you're not allowed to do that today. <laughs> that's what that's, people think, but that's five I, years they're, away. Just, they're just waiting for it to to get to get their chance to do it. I think <laughs> no one's the, people aren't being fed spiritually with with the stories that they want or the art that they're looking for. Right? They're they're, very, they're emaciated. Yes. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your book because it's out right now. Yeah, I have two out. One's a science fiction detective story. Um, What's the title? Low key. It's mm -hmm. about a uh, near future Los Angeles where the self driving car is everywhere and hundreds of thousands have been pushed into homelessness after that shift in economics and technology. So it's a true story. Yeah, you, you see it <laughs> happening, right? Yes, I do. I mean, one of the like the best metaphor for this, like real metaphor, is Los Feliz, where they used to have that like turnaround for where all the taxis used to stay. Mm -hmm. Now everyone uses Uber and there's no more taxis, but in their place is a little tent city, tent village. So, I mean... That's direct. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like right in your face. Yeah. And the other one is about a Bacchic, as in the Roman god of wine, Bacchus, death cult of Manhattan elites that all have to die a very specific way to initiate a sort of prophecy they have where our Judeo-Christian set of values is replaced with a Hellenistic Bacchic set of values, pretty much just based on decadence and hedonism and getting drunk all the time and just going wild and dancing in the streets. And, and what's the title? Bacchus Death Collective. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that, and that's uh, I delved deeply into wine culture to research. Where do you get your book. books on Amazon? Sure, yeah. anywhere that you get a book. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming. This is wonderful to catch up. That brings us to the end. If you'd like to follow us or join the conversation, we are on patreon.com slash patrickholic. That is H-O-E-L-C-K. I'd like to thank my engineer on this episode, Brooke Jenkins. She's done such wonderful work. We're lucky to have her. Tune in next time when we have no idea what we're going to bring you, but I'm sure we're going to work very hard on it. Thank you for listening to The Love Show. It's a good ending. quick hello. You let her go, you let the moment fly Too late you turn your head You know you said the long goodbye Can you recognize the theme On some other street Two people meet as in a dream Running for a plane through the rain If the heart is quicker than the eye They could be lovers Until